Alright, tonight we are uh, continuing in our study of Genesis. Uh, we are still looking at the beginning of civilization, and we're actually going to be uh, going from Adam all the way down to Noah today. So we're going to be doing a lot of uh, time traveling, whatever you want to call it. We're going to be going through a lot of time tonight, and uh, so we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Let's go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 5. Pray for me as I read this. In chapter 5, verse 1, it says, uh, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day which they were, or when they were created. And Adam lived a hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were eight hundred years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalaliel. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalaliel 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. And Mahalaliel lived 65 years and begat Jared. And Mahalaliel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalaliel were 895 years and he died. And Jared lived a hundred and sixty and two years and begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch eight hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty and two years and he died. And Enoch begat, or Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And Methuselah lived 800, excuse me, 180 and 7 years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and 2 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. And Lamech lived 180 and 2 years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This, sh this same shall comfort us concerning our work and tool of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah five hundred ninety and five years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred seventy and seven years, and he died. And Noah was five hundred years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we do thank you again for this day. We thank you for the reading of the text. I pray for your will to be done in our uh, lesson tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now I want somebody to tell me, um, how these verses spoke to you. People were old? Okay. It's kind of hard to, to gain a lot from uh, <laughs> from verses or chapters like this, isn't it? Um, tonight, that's what we're going to talk about. Over, over the past four chapters, we've only covered a time period of a little over 200 years from the creation, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, all the way down to the birth of Seth, uh, we've only covered a time period of a little, little over uh, 200 years. 
uh, maybe, maybe up till after the birth of Seth anyway, but in this lesson we're going to cover a time period of around 2,000 years uh, just in this chapter. So like I said, we're going to be speeding on through uh, time uh, quite quickly. Now although many view genealogies as being boring and useless, uh, today we're going to hopefully see that though they may be boring, that's probably not going to change, uh, that they are useful. Okay, and so I want you to, to think about this just for a moment. Um, did God inspire this book of Genesis? Okay. All right. Did God inspire Moses to write chapter 5 of the book of Genesis? Okay. So then is there a purpose for chapter 5 in the book of Genesis? Right. Now, when we get to chapter 6, there are going to be some things that if this genealogy was not here, as boring as it may be to read or as hard as those names may be to, to follow, if we got into chapter 6 and read some of the things that we're going to get into without this genealogy here, they could be quite confusing. It would be hard to figure out you know, what was going on. If we just stopped with uh, the fact that Adam had Seth there in chapter 4 and went straight to chapter 6 where all the things that, you know, that happened over there took place uh, and, we had, and this was missing, then there's going to be some questions. There's going to be some things that, that aren't really going to connect together. But with this genealogy in the context of the Scriptures here, it's going to add a whole new light on, uh, on what chapter 6 is talking about. Now, we'll get there when we get to chapter 6. Hopefully we'll see uh, what we're looking at there or, or why this uh, genealogy is so important uh, to chapter 6. But anyway, I just want you to, to notice that that's what I want you to see is that this genealogy is useful, and so are the other genealogies that we'll see as we go through the book of Genesis. Uh, now, we're also going to venture into the first part of chapter 6 tonight, uh, so be looking forward to that. Now, the first thing I want us to look at is the lineage, and we're not going to go back through all those verses. We've already uh, tortured ourselves you know, with that, uh, but we are going to go back and look at a few verses. Now, the first thing that we find in verses 1 through 5 is a son after his likeness. There in verses 1 through 5. Now, let's read that again. It says, This is the book of the generations of Adam, and the day that God created man in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day which they were created. And Adam lived 130 years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he begotten Seth were 800 uh, years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. All right, now we see a son after his likeness. Now, Adam already had two sons. Anybody remember what their names were? Cain and Abel. What happened to them? Cain killed Abel, and then what happened to Cain? Right. That's exactly what happened. Cain, Cain and Abel. Abel was murdered, and Cain was banished. He was told by God, you'll be a fugitive and a, vag a vagabond the rest of your days. And so he went out, uh, I think it says east or west, of the, I can't remember which one it was, but uh, went away from the garden. Uh, we saw last week where he departed from the presence of the Lord, and, uh, and we looked at his lineage there at the end of uh, chapter 4. But anyway, uh, then Abel was dead, of course, and so uh, there needed to be someone to carry on the lineage. And so Adam had another son named Seth, and that's uh, where this genealogy takes, uh, takes off from. Now, what is significant about verse 3? Let's look at verse 3 just for a second. Tell me what is significant about verse 3. Or something that just catches your eye as you read that verse. Okay. What was that, Miss Aker? 
in his image and what else? In his image and likeness. Think about that. In his image and likeness. Now, what did it say about Adam when he was created? That Adam was made in his likeness and in his image. As a matter of fact, we see the same thing uh, there in chapter 5, uh, up in verse 1. It says, In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them. And uh, it just reminds us of what happened back in uh, chapters 1 and 2. Uh, but here it says there in verse 3 that Adam lived 130 years and he begat a son in his own likeness after his image. Now this is important for us to look at. And there may be a lot of things that are implied here. But I think uh, the, the significant part uh, about verse 3 is that uh, Seth was a son that was a, uh, he was a godly man like Adam was. Uh, Seth did not go in the way of Cain. He did not stray away from God. Uh, but Seth became a, uh, a godly man. And through Seth, in chapter 5, through Seth, we have the godly lineage of Adam through Seth. So Seth, in a way, as we, uh, as we look through Genesis, we're going to see several chosen sons or several sons that have the blessing or, or this and that. You know, when we get down to, uh, uh, to Abraham, you know, he has two sons. Who, who's, who are his two sons? Isaac and Ishmael, which one was the chosen one? Isaac was, okay? Isaac had a couple sons, all right? And, and we remember uh, that Jacob was Isaac's chosen son. Jacob had 12 of them, and Joseph was his. And, and so, you know, we keep going on down, and we see that, that chosen one uh, of the sons. Well, here we are with Seth, and he is kind of the beginning of that lineage, uh, if you will. And so we see through Seth that, uh, that God creates a lineage of godly people upon the earth, people that fear him, uh, that are calling upon his name. As we look uh, back in verse 26, if you remember, it says, And to Seth, to him also was born a son. He called his name Enos. And what does that last part say? Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So uh, from that verse, we go into this lineage of men that called upon the name of the Lord, that were true worshipers of God. So that is what's significant about verse 3. Uh, sure, he was a son after his likeness, you know, just like we would talk about, you know, a son being like his father, looking like his father. Uh, but he was also made in his image and likeness in the sense that he was a true worshiper of God and would pass it on to his children. Now, let's look at some interesting people in this lineage uh, from verses 6 down through 32. The first interesting one that we come to is Enoch in verses 21 through 24. Now, we've read all those verses, uh, verses 21 through 24, uh, but let's, let's look down, down here. Uh, the name Enoch means trained up or disciplined. All right, so uh, remember that often the names were characteristic of the person themselves. So this man's name was Enoch, uh, which means trained up, that he was disciplined, uh, meaning that he was a, uh, he was a goodly man. He was a, a godly man. Uh, he walked correctly, walked in the ways of God. And we find something interesting about Enoch. Uh, down in verse 24, it says, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, what does that mean? Verse 24. All right. That, uh, right. So, and all the other men that we see, you know, it talks about how long they lived, and they died, and, uh, and begat sons and daughters, and all, those, all that kind of stuff, that they died. Uh, but in this one, it says, it just says that he was not, that God took him, and he was not. And, uh, and so it tells us that Enoch, uh, he was one of the, 
there was only one other person that I know of uh, that didn't taste death like this. Anybody remember who that was? Elijah, right. Elijah was called up in a... Uh, right, yes. And uh, was, it was taken to the Lord. And, uh, and so Enoch, uh, as it says here, was not, and, and God took him. So uh, anyway, meaning that he, he did not die. So that's pretty cool. You know, uh, that could happen to me. Could happen to all of us, couldn't it? How would that happen? Exactly. Yeah. So one of these days, God might take us, and we won't be anymore either. We won't have died, but we'll be with him, and that's how Enoch was. All right, now let's look at Methuselah. Methuselah, he's an interesting character. Doesn't really say a lot about him, but he was really old. Uh, in verses 20, uh, 25 down through 27, it says, All the days of Methuselah were 960 and 9 years, and he died. Uh, the oldest man recorded. Now, I want to ask you, this is some trivia, okay? But can you name the only man who has ever succeeded in looking as old as Methuselah? Who? He died. Anybody got the answer to this? John the Baptist? And looking at looking as old as uh, Methuselah? Well, he was nine hundred something years old. He looked old. Only about Moses. Yeah. Now, I have the answer if y'all want to just sit back and relax for a second. Do what? No, no, no. The only man who's ever succeeded in looking as old as Methuselah. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's got to at least be close. Oh, yeah? <laughs> uh, all right, then we have Noah uh, down in verses 29 through 32. Now, in verse 29, it says, And he called his name Noah, saying, The same shall comfort us concerning our work and tool of our hands because of the ground which the Lord had cursed. And so it talks about how long Lamech lived after uh, Noah, and it goes on down. It says in Noah, in verse 32, Noah was 500 years old. Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. A what? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, the name Noah uh, means console or comfort. All right, so I want you to think about that. In verse 29... Uh, let's see what it says about him again. It says, he called his name Noah, saying, this is why he called his name Noah, the same shall comfort us concerning our work and tool of our hands. Notice what he says at the end, because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. He heard about this somehow, didn't he? About this ground being cursed. And he says, this Noah, he's going to comfort us. He's going to console us concerning this. Now, as we think about Noah... And we know we we are you know we have the punchline here. We we know what the end uh, of Noah's purpose was. But how might this name have been indicative of the purpose that God had for Noah? 
Think about his name. Think about what he was going to do or what God was going to do with him. We know the ground was cursed. We know that man was cursed. Chapter 6, God was going to bring judgment upon the whole earth, the entire earth. But it says, I believe in verse 6 of chapter 6, I think it says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, or in the eyes of God. And uh, so the entire earth was cursed. All Everything that lived on it, all of man, everything was uh, was cursed by God. Everything was going was going to be destroyed. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Now, Lamech may not have known that that's what's going to happen, but I just, I just love how God brings stuff like that about. Uh, Lamech, in a way, prophesied that, uh, that he would bring comfort uh, to people. And, of course, God's going to have a completely new beginning with Noah as well. Now, uh, as we look through all these verses, just something I want to point out very quickly. If you'll notice, um, in almost every one of these, it says that, you know, it'll name one man, one son that was born, and, uh, you know, he lived so long, and he had this son. Now, I don't know if that means that was his firstborn child, all right? But then after that, it says that he lived so many years and begat sons and daughters. And then this man, you know, he, he lived so long until this one was born, and he also, you know, he lived so many years after that, begat sons and daughters, so the earth is being populated. I mean, there's, there's you know, many people on the earth. I'm sure they had, you know, several sons and daughters. And so, you know, we have the earth, uh, in, in a sense, being multiplied. I don't know how far they spread out before the flood. Uh, but we have the earth being populated as God had told them to do. Now, on the other hand, uh, in, in, you know, in the background of what we're reading here, Cain also has a lineage that's back over in their territory somewhere. And they're also begatting sons and daughters, and their their sons and daughters are begetting are begatting sons and daughters, and and so they've got a huge lineage that's going over on this side as well. And so you have Cain's lineage that's somewhere on the earth. You know they they're inhabiting their own place, they're spreading out in their own areas. We have the the lineage of Seth, which is you know probably over in, in that same general area, and they're spreading out and they're growing, and and uh, their lineage is going out. And so really we we have already. Uh, in a sense, a battle of good and evil. We have uh, Cain's ungodly lineage that is out there, and we have Seth's godly lineage, a lineage of true worshipers that are there upon the earth. So by the time we get down to Noah, uh, where he begets Shem, Ham, and Japheth, we've got you know a probably you know a lot of uh, communities, you know, several communities that have been established, and and uh, and you know new families that are going out and starting, and and uh, you know stuff like that. So. The earth is being populated during this time. Well, one thing we're also going to find about the earth is that it grew increasingly wicked uh, during this time as well. And that's going to uh, pose the problem that we find over in chapter 6. Now, here's an overlooked fact I wanted just to, uh, to think about for a moment. Adam lived to see most of the people that we've read about in this lineage, all except one that's mentioned here. Think about that. Adam, from verse 1, lived to see every one of these guys all the way down to Noah. Pretty incredible, huh? Here's how that happens. Uh, now, it says that Adam was 130 when he begat Seth. 
all right? And then, uh, you know, Seth was born. He lived so many other years. He, he lived until he was 930 years old. All right, so Adam was uh, 130 when we got Seth. Seth was 105 when he had Enos. Enos was 90 when we had Canaan and so on and so forth, all the way down to uh, Methuselah. Methuselah was 187 when he had Lamech. So if you take the, uh, the 130 here, uh, where, how old Adam was when he begat Seth, and you begin adding all these numbers down, what we find is that uh, Lamech was born uh, when Adam was 874 years old. I mean, you can see a lot of people, you get to live in 930 years old, you know. You're going to see quite a few uh, of your uh, grandchildren and great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren as well. And uh, Adam had the privilege of being able to do that. As a matter of fact, uh, Adam lived until Lamech was in his 50s. Now, Lamech didn't have, uh, didn't have Noah until he was uh, how old? 100 and... Oh, I don't have it written down here. But it was... Uh, oh, he was 182 years old when he had Noah. So, you know, uh, Adam died well before... Noah was born, but he lived all the way down until uh, Lamech was alive, uh, you know, up into his 50s. So you think about this, Noah's dad knew Adam, as well as all these other men, like Methuselah and, and you know, and Enoch and, and some of those other guys that uh, went along down through there as well. Uh, uh, Lamech knew these guys. Now, I want to ask you this question. How would Adam's presence have been a benefit to Lamech and all of his forefathers? How would that have been a benefit to the family? Exactly. I mean, I can. I, I don't know, but I can just imagine, you know, the the family gathering around Adam and listening to stories about Eden. You know, listening to stories about you know what what God did and and uh, the creation and when Eve was in, and uh, what happened in the garden with the temptation and, and uh, with Cain and and listen to those stories, listening to that wisdom. And talking about God and the things that... I mean, we have to understand that not everything that happened is written down in this book. I mean, God, I, I feel very passionately about the fact that, that God taught Adam, you know, that he spent time with Adam and, and let Adam know his will and, and taught him how to worship him and taught him what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. And so they had Adam, I mean, this, this aged man uh, that lived there for 930 years who was able to teach them you know, directly from, from God, you know, no, no between men. And, and so, you know, I think it, was, it would have been very, very beneficial uh, to all these men. And, and I think that would also keep the, uh, the godliness in that family as well, you know, keep that uh, stirred up and, and revived throughout this time. So what we have here is we have a lineage of people who have been taught the truth. Now, we know that towards the end, as we get closer to, uh, to Noah, in his lifetime, we know that evil begins, wickedness begins to, uh, to increase, but we have a lineage of here of people who have been taught the truth straight from Adam all the way down uh, to Lamech, who was Noah's father. Now, that leads us to the second thing. and When we get over to chapter 6, we see the wickedness that was taking place in verses 1 through 7. Now, let's look at the people of this time. In verses 1 through 4, it says, And it came to pass, when, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is flesh, and his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. 
There were giants on the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came unto the children, sorry, came unto the daughters of men, that they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were old, men of renown. Now these uh, these verses here have you know stirred up a, a lot of different opinions, things like that. Uh, but I just want to ask the question: Who were the sons of God and the daughters of men? What what do you personally think? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Anybody else on that? That's very good. Uh, I want to I want to make the statement very clear. These were not angels marrying human women. Okay. And I know that that has been taught, uh, but when it talks about them being the sons of God, you know. It's very easily to prove that, that this is not talking about angels uh, marrying women here on earth. These were the sons of Seth. Now, if you remember, as we were talking about this lineage, I said we've got a godly lineage coming all the way down from Adam through Seth all the way down to Noah. Off in the background out here, we've also got Cain's, uh, Cain's lineage that's going on. We've also possibly got some of the other sons and daughters of, of the men that are mentioned here that may be straying away from, from God. Uh, and things like that. And so the, the earth is being populated, and it just seems like uh, that God's people were being over, you know, uh, overtaken by all the other uh, wickedness that was going on. It got to the point where the sons of Seth, which, which were the true worshipers of God, began marrying the daughters of the sinful and rebellious lineage of Cain. And when it says daughters of men, you know, I, I believe that's what it's talking about is, is the, uh, from the family of, of Cain's lineage. And, uh, and so you think about that. What, what's going to happen if the sons of Seth begin marrying the daughters of Cain? Right, exactly. That's what's going to happen. Now, if we think about this, what, what's the danger of marrying outside of our faith? Right. Very seldom are you going to draw, is the person in the right going to draw the one in the wrong to the right. Very seldom. It can't happen. Don't, don't misunderstand. It can't happen. But very seldom it's going to happen. Most often what's going to happen is eventually that child of God is going to be drugged down. They're going to fight and they're going to fight and they're going to fight and they're going to fight to, to bring the other person to the right. But I've seen it so many times they're going to be drawn uh, to the other direction. So you see somewhere a compromise has to be made. If you, uh, if you marry outside of your faith, there, somewhere there's going to have to be a compromise. See, true worship cannot be mixed with false religion and remain true worship. And so, uh, you know, that, that's why it's so important to marry uh, in, within your faith. The danger, of, uh, the danger, as we were looking at here, is the probability of you being turned from your faith uh, to compromise with your spouse. And that, I believe that's exactly what we find here in chapter 6 where it says... Uh, they, the, uh, the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, they were beautiful so they took them wives all which they chose and it wasn't long after that that God said my spirit shall not always strive with man they had been turned away from God and, uh, and they were uh, it says that their minds were on evil continually uh, down in verse 5 it says and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually including, evidently, his people had gotten to that point. So they had compromised with sin, compromised with worldliness so much 
that he, he talks about all mankind. So he says, I will destroy all of them. Getting close, aren't we? Now, what were these giants? The word that's usually translated or, or used for giant is the Hebrew word rapha. Uh, but this is the word nephil, uh, which means fallen ones. As we look there in, in uh, where is it, verse 4, it talks about um, the giants in the earth. All right? So uh, this word, nephil, that's, that's translated here, it's only translated as giant three times in the Old Testament. Every other time it's used in some other way. So, you know, for some reason it was translated as giant here. Uh, but, but it really, you know, if we, if we just think about the sense of that word in the field, it means fallen ones, all right? So we have the sons of God, the sons of this godly lineage. They're marrying the daughters of Cain, all right? And so they're birthing children. They're, you know, the, the sons of God, the Seth's lineage has compromised uh, with the people of the world, and uh, and there are fallen ones there in verse four. There are fallen ones in the earth on those days. All right, so people are you know they're just getting wicked. They're growing more and more perverse and things like that. And uh, and I believe that's what uh, even though it says giant, I believe that's what it's leaning towards as we look at that uh, at that verse. The point to be made is that uh, these were not supernatural creatures. Uh, you know, it, what, these weren't Jack and the Beanstalk type people or, or anything like that. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they were Shaquille O'Neal tall. I don't even know if it has anything to do with them being tall. I think it more has to do with them being perver a very perverse generation, a fallen generation of people. Uh, they were people who had experienced spiritual decline due to the compromise between the godly lineage of Seth and the ungodly lineage of Cain. Does that make sense? Is that agreeable with everybody? All right. It is more fun to believe that they're, you know, fee fi fo fum type creatures. Think they ought to be big? They can be big all they want to, but, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they were very, uh, very vicious people, you know. Now, we look at the problem in the world. We read verse 5, but the problem in the world says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The problem was that those who had once worshipped God had compromised and the entire world had become wicked. Their thoughts and actions were continually evil. And that was a problem. God was very upset with this. We see that he pronounced judgment in verses 6 and 7. It says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing." Fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. All right, so he says, I'm going to destroy everything that is living on land. All of it is going to be destroyed. We see that God repented that he had created man in verse 6. Uh, what does it mean that God repented in verse 6? Okay. What does repent mean? Turn away, right? He regretted. When it says that he repented, it's not that he that he had made a mistake or turned away from some wrong that he had done. He regretted ever even making man. That's how evil. That's how wicked man had become to the point that he regretted ever even making them. God declared that he would destroy everything in verse seven. I guess I was wrong a while ago. Noah didn't come in until verse eight. 
But God declared that he was going to destroy everything. Then we find the grace of God uh, in verses 8 through 10. And I want you to think about where we are. We're at a point where uh, God's, you know, his, his divine, his creation that was made in the image of him has been perverted by sin. Um, their children, you know, many of them, as they multiply and begin to spread throughout the earth, have turned away from him. He's got one godly lineage that is passing down true worship, that is teaching their children. The rest of the world has gone away from him. And now it's come all the way to the point where even the, the ones that he was able to fellowship with, the ones that, that were seeking after him, are now turning to the wickedness of the world and everything. And he, it got to the point where he was, just, he was done. His, his righteous indignation was kindled against them. Uh, he was just in his decision to destroy every one of them. And I want you to think about this as well. He would have been just if he just allowed it to happen. He would have been right in doing so. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. I love how God is just and he's righteous. And every work that he does is right. Every decision he makes is correct. And even when it comes down to the judgment of man, somehow from his love he musters up grace and forgiveness and makes a way. And that's what he did through Noah. Mm-hmm. It's what he did through Christ too, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we find that God chose to preserve mankind and animal life by using Noah. Think about this. We're here today because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God's grace. In conclusion, uh, we see, we've seen three things here tonight that are still true today. Number one, God is pleased to be called the God of those who love and worship Him pleased to be called the God of those who love and worship Him. He's my God. He's your God. And we are His people. He takes joy in that, and joy in having a remnant that worships Him and, and that is passing that down to their children, uh, you know, and, and, and trying to preserve a godly lineage here on earth, uh, trying to spread His gospel to those who don't know Him. He's pleased to be called the God of those who love and worship Him. Another thing that's true is that sin is prevalent and judgment is imminent still wickedness on this earth. God's already declared judgment on sin. Death. And it's imminent. One day, heaven and earth is going to pass away. Every single living being in existence is going to be hurled into eternity, where they're going to face one of two places, either the presence of God through His grace and forgiveness, or the judgment of God through His righteous wrath. Something we need to think about. Your neighbors, if they don't know Christ, judgment is imminent. Your, your family, if they don't know Christ, judgment is imminent. You, if you don't know Christ, judgment is imminent. He's already pronounced it. You're just waiting on it to happen. Sin is prevalent. Judgment is imminent. But the third thing we find is that the grace of God provides an escape for those who trust Him. Some of us have found that escape. And... Uh, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it in any way, but because God's good 
because out of his love, even when we had sinned, he made a way for us through his grace. By grace are you saved through faith. That's all that I have. Any comments, any questions, anything to add at all tonight? We do. Well, it doesn't say, but I would, yeah, I would manage to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. doesn't say it just goes straight through that through that genealogy but even with Noah you know it he's the only one <clears throat> aside from uh, Adam with Eve he's the only one that really gets into his you know who his wife was or anything but it appears as though he only had one you know even he only had one wife and so probably the godly lineage you know I'd imagine that they So yeah, now something else to notice is that after the flood, uh, the age of men drop drastically. You know, they're they're not they're still living long lives, but not anything even close to what these men are living before the flood. Well, we know that Moses lived to be 120. I think Jacob lived to be like 100 and. I forgot how old he was, 30-something, 130-something years old when he died. So, yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, you know, but I would say that, that many of them stayed within that 120-year range, you know. So, evidently there are a lot of... Uh, Changes on physical changes on the earth as well that would have caused, you know, the ability to live as long, you know, to decrease like it did. I don't know what those were. There's a lot of people that suppose they do, but uh, something changed. People stopped living as long. Maybe, yeah. Started getting those UV rays, getting too many sunburns, skin cancer, and stuff. All right. Anybody else do anything tonight? I don't know. Maybe they had to wait until uh, some of their sisters, you know, had more children and they got further down. I'm just kidding. I have no idea. I, You know, I think that it's very possible they had kids before these that were mentioned were mentioned, you know. Uh you know, that Seth may have had some other children, but it doesn't name any of the other children. It only names that one, you know. And so Seth lived so long, and he had 
you know, maybe had some others, and then had Enos, and then had some others after that. But Enos is the only one that's mentioned. He's the only one. Maybe these are the only ones that kept up the, you know, yeah, the godly lineage part of it. I don't know. Or maybe they just didn't get married. You know, if you're living 900 years, maybe 150 is like 20 to us, you know. <laughs> Mom's like, stay home just a few more hundred years. You'll be all right, you know. We'll get you married sooner or later. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got all you you got eight or more years to live. All right, anybody else with anything? <clears throat> well, thank you for your attention. Is there any any other discussion, questions, anything like that before we dismiss? All right, let's stand. Thank you for your input tonight. You want to see that man that's older than Methuselah? Did you see? Did you get to see who was older than Methuselah? Yeah, well, we can go back real quick. <clears throat> Only man older than Methuselah. Here it comes. You ready? Y'all might want to prepare for this. Brace yourselves. The only one that's ever succeeded in looking as old as Methuselah. <clears throat> all right, let's dismiss. Thank you all tonight. <clears throat>